You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. And now time for the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. And good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio and the Classic Car Show. We've got Mr. Steve Ronaldo in here and we've got... Uh, James Dunst from Bell Performance on the other line calling in, and we, uh, I guess, uh, Mr. Weber is missing in action somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. He is, we think he's within the borders of the United States, but he may be crawling under the fence in Mexico. We don't know for sure. Trying to get but back in. Trying to get back in, yeah. yeah. But anyway, uh, Jim's not with us today, but uh, James Dunst is, and we're glad to have him. James, good morning. Good morning. Happy to be here. Well, we we always appreciate it, and I think that uh, you've come up with a very interesting topic. I don't know how many folks uh, out there have uh, been on the tour, but I guess it's probably one of one of, if not the best known in yeah, the country. Right now, yeah, it is the best known, but it is the, it, it's the one that people. Did have, you just wash your tongue and you can't yeah. do a thing with it? Is that the problem? <laughs> no, that, this is the one that people. Uh, that, that try to get on. This is the uh, uh, sort of... I'm uh, having a little trouble here, Steve. Tour. Yeah, yeah. It, it, there's only one other older one in the Glidden Tour, and that's the Reliability Tour, and that's every other year. Uh, the Glidden Tour itself is, is very interesting. The, the first thing I want to, we want to clear up is it has nothing to do with Glidden Paint, <laughs> the, the Glidden Paint guy. Uh, so, uh, there we go. It sounds better. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it, it, the Glidden tour has nothing to do with the Glidden paint guy. <laughs> the guy, the guy who who sort of kicked it off in 1904 was a banker and financier and a very early, early fan of automobiles. Because at that time, uh, there just weren't a lot of cars, and uh, it was mostly a rich man's toy. Uh, cars were considered rich, rich, rich people's toys. Yeah. And if they were then, the cars that they had back then are beyond the rich man's toys yeah. today. Yeah. Well, for example, I, a good friend of mine, Jeff Mall, his great grandfather was the one who drove the 1908 America around the world race from New York to Paris. And his great grandfather delivered Thomas's. When you bought a Thomas, uh, the flyer especially, he would bring the car to you and show your chauffeur how to drive it because you didn't need to know how to drive it oh. and your mechanic how to maintain it. So there's kind of a different time back then in the and that same car, But what would that same car today bring? Uh, it would be priceless. It would be, you know, it wouldn't, I, I don't, I wouldn't even consider. <laughs> I wouldn't even know. Thomas's bring close to a million. Thomas Flyers are a million dollar cars right now. If they they do go, but anyway, the Glen Tour continues on and on. And James was involved in the the uh, uh, the Glen Tour, and I've done quite a few. And I have a friend who's done fifty Glen Tours. Wow. Yeah, uh, he's from he's from Thomasville, Georgia. He gets banner number one every time we go, and and uh, we're, we've already signed up for this year's tour in Rock Hill, South Carolina. 
uh, anyway, just sort of what happened, uh, uh, brief history, and if, I, if I'm wrong or miss something, uh, uh, by all means, you know, as you were involved in it. Like I said, it started in 1904, and then it kept on um, until World War II. That, that's correct, right? That is correct. Yeah, and then, and then because of the war, it stopped, and then the revival of the Glidden Tour was somewhere in the, like, 47, 48, somewhere around that's, there? That's correct. Yeah, and AAA, uh, which we all know, owns, owns the Glidden Tour. Isn't that, isn't that right? That, that is correct. Yeah, they, they own it, and it's actually the, the, the host... Is VMCCA uh, uh, used to be uh, used to be Veteran Motor Car, but they changed it to Vintage a couple of years ago. Mm. And and uh, every other year is Antique Automobile Club. They they take turns hosting it every other year. Uh, and this year it's an AACA tour, and it's in it's in Rock Hill, South Carolina, which is just uh, uh, just below about an hour below Charlotte on Interstate seventy seven. So that, and it's in September. It's always been in September, and 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 when my wife and I hosted our first tour, which was a reliability tour in Chattanooga, we had dates picked, and I got called from somebody. I think it was at AAA, and they said, "Well, you'll have to change your dates because nothing interferes with the Glidden tour in September." <laughs> so, so anyway, and we did change our date, so everything did, was did fine. Did you stand at attention? At uh, this, well, I mean, you, you got it, it's tradition. This is a, a big tradition. It's open to all pre World War II cars. It didn't used to be. It used to be brass era cars, and then they went to what I think they changed it to thirty. When did Ford put bulbous fenders on their car? Thirty five, thirty six. Do you that know? I don't know. Yeah, one of those years, and then uh, they got together both both clubs, both hosting clubs, and decided anything World War Two. So what's nice is you get some brassier cars, and you also get the thing that everybody likes about the Glidden is the the wonderful classic cars. You see the sixteen cylinder Cadillacs and Pierce and and big Pierce Arrows and twelve cylinder. Uh, Packards and Duesenbergs and all this kind of stuff. That's that's what makes this tour is people with these real cool old classic cars bring them out, and uh, uh, so it, it it's quite an event. And there's a lot of tradition that that goes with this. For example, I'm sure you know that you have to get your car inspected by a committee before you can participate. Uh, they check the lights and the horn and tire condition and all of this kind of stuff. Wipers, if it's equipped with wipers, uh, before you can go. And then they ha- you're a freshman. And, and uh, if it's your first time, you're a freshman. And <coughs> Pat Swigert, who owns Swigert Museum, or her husband did, and she runs it now, uh, uh, is the dean of freshmen. And there's a whole tradition that goes on, like Wednesday night is freshman night, and in order to become a uh, a Glidden tour, you have to do all of this stuff, and you have to fill out this questionnaire during it, and they give out stuff. And then you have to do the chicken dance, 
<laughs> you do. And and she calls out and plays the record, the chicken dance, and yours truly is the, the chicken dance instructor uh, for for this. And it, some people just refuse. I'm not doing that. It's just stupid. I'm not doing that. Bah. So anyway, it, it it's it, it's a long, 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 tr- long tradition. And back in the day, I'm sure I don't know if you were around. They did. Uh, people used to dress in vintage clothing too in the in the the era of their automobile. <laughs> they did. They did do that on the tours that I went on. Now, it's funny you should m- mention Pat. You know, she drives a Duesenberg. Yep. And, and it's funny because she her head barely gets above the side of the car door. When she goes by, you just see her hair uh, as she's going by. Yeah, yeah. But really a sweet lady. Absolutely. And and there, there, her husband was a, a uh, uh, ran funeral homes up in Pennsylvania. And, and she always used to carry a, a, a tape measure. And when she'd meet you, she'd pull out the tape measure and say, "Yeah, you're a size six coffin." <laughs> <laughs> so she was she's pretty cool. She, she, this cool. But I love the Glidden tour, and I think you know you get the same people over and over and over that participate in this. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny with Pat. Uh, she told me one time she says she beat out Jay Leno to get that Duesenberg. Really, I think I've heard yeah. that before too. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Yeah. Nice lady. I, I'm surprised she just didn't beat him up. Yeah. Mm. But to give you a little bit of background on my participation in this, in this program, I worked for AAA for 16 years, and um, I, I attended three three Glidden tours. I did the Orlando tour, <laughs> I did the Birmingham, and I did the uh, Bronson, uh Missouri tour. And you know, it's kind of funny because they have this, they have this competition. And where, you know, every day, uh, these people go out to different locations and they, they record how long it took you and, and the mileage and everything else. And then somehow, and nobody's been able to answer this, how they come up with a winner. <laughs> I'm convinced that they just put everyone's name in a hat and pick one out. Because and nobody can tell me how they score it. And does it really matter? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but... Uh, what my role was is I was a uh, media spokesman because as we uh, stopped in different towns and I was toured, I went out with a different person every day. I rode with them. And when they stopped in different towns, uh, the media would usually turn out, and it was my job. We had a couple other people that were involved in that, and we would go out and talk to the media, explain what the tour was, and uh, talk about Glidden and, and his background and, and AAA's role in it. And but the other part of my uh, my function was uh, you have a lot of breakdowns. A lot of these cars sit for long periods of time. Uh, they're not driven that much. When they take them out like that, where they're running them continuously, uh, they develop a lot of problems. Uh, we had the AAA had uh, we had flatbed wreckers, and we had those things about five miles behind the tour. So if somebody broke down and we could not get them going at at the time, then the AAA uh, truck would come up and pick them up and take them back to the uh, the hotel. But there were a lot of consistent same old same old breakdowns, and I kind of have them listed here. And it's not just the Glidden tour; these are you know anytime you take these cars off uh, that are not driven. But the number one problem is fuel issue, because first of all, when they put these cars away. A lot of times they were put away with a half a tank of fuel, and that's not good. 
because when you have heating and cooling, if they're stored uh, where it is heating and cooling, it only takes a seven degree change in temperature, you end up with condensation of water in the tank. And when you got water in the tank, then you end up with corrosion in there. And uh, one of the biggest mistakes uh, people make is you need to use a fuel stabilizer. What stabilizers do is it changes fuel chemically so they don't break down as fast. This fuel is, uh, is organic. But uh, that was a huge, huge problem. Most of them had to do with fuel. Uh, and the number one thing that stood out was vapor locking. And I know last week I, I talked a little bit about vapor locking, but uh, a lot of the older cars, I, I can remember uh, my family had a, a 1950 Ford, and it had a flathead and that fuel pump was up on top. And it would heat that fuel pump up in the typical a uh, complaint would be, well, we stopped for a few minutes at a store, and when we came out, it wouldn't start. And that's because the heat in the engine compartment rose because the, the fan is no longer turning, and it caused that fuel to vaporize in the lines and also in the fuel pump. Uh, you wait for 30, 40 minutes, and you can start up and go again. But that was, that was a constant issue uh, on a lot of those older cars. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and there was all of the, these, these home remedies about taking and, and putting paper clips on or, or, or clips on the, the uh, fuel line the, uh, and stuff, all kinds of silly things people tried. They thought it was going to work. And, you yeah. know. And, I, and I kept getting the question, because I do work for a company that makes additives. People would ask me, is there an additive that we can put in the tank to stop paper locking, which there's no such thing. Uh, the one thing you can do is if you have fuel lines that are close to exhaust manifolds, uh, they, they have this asbestos tape. Uh, it's called muffler patch. I wouldn't use it on a muffler, but you can wrap those lines with that asbestos tape, and, and that does uh, does make a difference. The other thing is uh, try not to use uh, ethanol fuel because alcohol vaporizes quicker yeah, than gasoline. Pr- absolutely. Well, with that being said, we're going to have to take our first break. You're listening to America's Web Radio and the Classic Car Show. Only on America's Web Radio. And if uh, Weber's out there listening, good morning, Jim. This is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour, on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Join me as I talk with passionate professionals on a program that profiles the best businesses, business professionals, business practices, and fascinating individuals to get an insider view of how America works. 10 to 11 a.m. on America's Web Radio. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby, the first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. Hi, my name is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, talking to you about antique car insurance. Uh, in this hobby uh, that I've been part of for years, not all insurance companies and insurance coverage is the same. I would suggest that you call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com to find out some information about some of the best antique car insurance you can get, such as agreed value. Uh, insurance for your classic car. Again, if you're when you get ready to to uh, insure your classic. 
classic, antique, or even your street ride, call J.C. Taylor Insurance or visit jctaylor.com. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we do want to thank you for listening and making America's Web Radio one of, if not the largest producing podcast radio stations in the country. And uh, our numbers within the last three months have just absolutely gone through the roof. And it's all because of you, the listener, and we certainly do appreciate it. And... uh, it's amazing, not amazing, I shouldn't say that, but it is uh, interesting and very rewarding to know that you're listening to one of our top shows on America's Web Radio, the Classic Car Show. And uh, as a niche radio station, uh, we appreciate all of our niches, like the land surveyors and others that participate. And uh, I want to thank, personally, uh, Victor, who came in the other day on uh, David's Pick, and uh, we've gotten more comments on that show than I believe on any show we've ever done. And uh, we appreciate it, and we appreciate you listeners. And we appreciate Mr. James Dunst down in Florida that is uh, filling in for Mr. Weber. Not really filling in. Uh, James is part of the family at this point. I think you've, uh, like like Steve was talking about a freshman, I think you've you've gone up to sophomore, maybe even junior <laughs> level. I don't know. Uh, we'll get we'll get Steve in his shop to make you some kind of trophy and send yeah. it down. Uh, yeah. I, I enjoy sharing the you know the things that I've learned over the years. Well, you, you've forgotten more than most people have ever learned. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so back to the Glidden tour, and we got two Glidden experts. Uh, uh, let's see, Steve's got a roller in his hand, and he's going to do the wall, and uh, James has got a brush in yeah. his hand, and he's going to do the woodwork, I guess. Yeah. yeah. You were talking about the the the, uh, the gas stuff, and my kind of, my 37 Cadillac has always had that problem simply due to the design of the exhaust system on that car. But uh, uh, I've talked to enough people, I think I finally finally solved this issue and it started of course with the ethanol gas because the 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 vapor boiling point and pressure point is so low on ethanol gas uh and a couple of really goofy things that that i did that not that i knew anything about it but that guy in daytona you know the daytona carburetor guy Uh uh-huh yeah he's exceptionally nice guy and really smart and he told me some stuff uh, it, one of the things that I never thought about was the uh, uh, rubber fuel lines that people put. They add a filter and all this stuff, and they didn't have. Uh, um, he asked me the question. He said, "Do you have any rubber lines?" And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "Well, you know that manufacturers. Have you ever seen a new car with rubber fuel lines?" And I thought about it. And said, "No, not really." He said, "That's why they use steel fuel lines." Uh, and and then he said the clamps that people use. Everybody goes to Napa or Home Depot or Ace Hardware and buys those. Just air, and they they over tighten them, which I had done. And and it, it when you over tighten them, you you create microscopic air leaks in the fuel lines. 
and uh, he told me how to check it. He said, start your car up and, and tell me if you have little pin pinprick uh, air bubbles in the psych in the glass on the on the fuel pump, and I did, and I I replaced all that stuff with the right the right clamps. All of that other stuff, and the problem pretty much took care of it. A lot of that, and it's just things that only experience knows. That uh, guys have been around this stuff a long time. That know well, this you stuff. Mentioned, you mentioned the, uh, the the rubber hoses. Uh, that was the next thing on my list here because a lot of times uh, there would be cracks. Uh, there were bulges in it. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the older the older uh, rubber hoses they weren't made for this ethanol, and the ethanol uh, softens it. And uh, there were a lot of lines that were broken like that. And a lot of these lines were in places you couldn't get at, you know, up underneath, you know, going through the tank. Uh, that was a real problem. And then plugged fuel filters. Uh, I carried a lot of fuel filters with me. I tried. What I had to do is I tried to get them going again uh, without having them come with the record. So I had uh, parts with me, and I replaced a lot of fuel filters. Uh, and again, it goes back to where they weren't driving it. You know, the car sits in the garage, it sits in storage for long periods of time. And this ethanol has a way of eating away at you know, the fuel tanks and any metal components uh, in, in the system. And uh, when you start the thing up, then that ends up uh, plugging up the filter. And it also, the other thing we ran into a lot was flooding carburetors. This, this ethanol, those, the floats in the old carburetors, they weren't made to withstand this ethanol, which is highly corrosive. And it would destroy, sometimes it would actually turn the floats to jelly. Yeah, the and, plastic uh, ones, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was, that was a huge problem, and then the carburetor would sit there and flood. Yes, very much so, and uh, and the, they have now, I, I was just reading an article on one of the, in the antique car uh Forums about the the Viton seats on the the needle and seat stuff. That stuff now, after be at, af, after have been used in the same car for a long time, um, is turning into sort of a oh I don't know what you want to call it, but it sticks closed. That Viton stuff the, on the on the, the needle, it's sticking closed after being in use for a while. When it's when it's new, it's okay. So everybody's going back to the guys are are, are selling kits now with the with the old gross jets. You remember gross jets? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're resell. That that guy died back in the '60s or '70s, but somebody is, has has bought the name and is reproducing it and the gross jet is metal to metal so you won't have that issue I uh, want to change the subject just a little bit as I'm looking out one of our windows and uh, and the 120% humidity is coming down in little driplets now but it, it did as you all were going on the Glidden tour, was there anybody that was more or less responsible for weather and did weather, I, I can remember when humidity was this high, it would affect. Uh, yeah, affect right and, and yeah, you know. yeah. So, what were the effects of? And was there anything it, one could do about it? It'd make them vapor lock when it was this humid. No, not vapor lock, but they had just they had just nothing ran right. And mostly of a, a lot of a lot of electrical problems because you know it's water. Yeah, and then especially I, yeah, especially with ignition wire. Yes, uh, a lot of times uh, you could lift up the hood. If it was dark enough, you could actually see the sparks jumping the ground yes, from the wire. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The the old one. They were they were again. It's from lack of use and 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 lack of maintenance. 
because, uh, matter of fact, a good friend of mine with a Model A just had this same issue. He couldn't get it started, couldn't get it started. So another guy that lives near him went over and brought a new coil wire, and it started right up. <laughs> so, but the fuel yeah, stuff. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, just, just to give a little plug for, for Bell Performance uh, with the fuel problem, Bell has a product called Ethanol Defense. And what it does is it coats those parts uh, with a lubricant so that they don't corrode. Uh, I don't know if a single case where people that I've recommended this to that were having problems no longer have problems. It, 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 it's almost 100%. Yeah, yeah. I, I, everybody I know that has has used it uh, says that you know it's, it seems to make a a big difference, especially in the old cars that sit most of the time. Sure. sure. You know, and that's. I'm sorry. No, that's that's my problem. I have cars that sit every time I walk by, like my MGB. I keep thinking, God, I haven't had you out for a while. You know, so I need to get rid of some of these things. They just don't get used. What would you like to sell? Tell everybody on the air, what would you like to sell? Well, I'm thinking about selling the MGB 65B, uh, fully restored, just get in it and go. I, I really like that car, but it doesn't get used. It, you know, I'm getting more and more into the all older cars are the ones that get used more. Well, so folks, you heard it here first. Uh, Steve Ronaldo is selling his MGB. B, yeah, sixty-five. Yeah. Sixty-five. Yeah. Maybe if I'm no, I, I have to. And you'll get the <laughs> America's Web Radio discount. That's cost plus ten. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, but but you were right though that the, the with the the uh, especially the new cars and you know on the tours now what they're I don't know about Florida but here m- m- most of the new gas stations have ethanol-free gas. And when you go on a tour, we just completed one in New England uh, with the 1910 car, and they will tell you where ethanol-free gas is located. It's becoming such a problem with the old cars that the people that are are hosting the tour, the local group, will tell you uh, where you can find ethanol-free gas, which is a good thing. I'm glad they're doing that. Well, there's actually a website. I think it's puregas.com. Uh, if you go to that, it goes state by state. And when you click on a state, you can go down the list city by city, and it'll tell you who in that city has non-ethanol fuel. Yeah, on your, if, you're, if you have your cell phone with... But, uh, uh, so Anyway, yeah, it, but it, it is a big issue, and I, I think you hit it right on the head. Most of, these, most of the problems of these tour cars are... Lack of use and lack of maintenance. Well, the, the second area uh, that I came across a lot is electrical problems. And we, we had a couple of uh, close calls with fires. And what I noticed is some of the restorations, I mean, there's some good restoration shops out there, but some of the restorations that were done by inexperienced, inexperienced people, I would see wires that went through the firewall with no grommets around them. So eventually, the, the wire would actually rub through and short. I had a couple of them like that. Yeah, very and, common. And uh, I was able to get them running. I, you know, I disconnected the power to everything else and just hot wired it, put a wire to the uh, coil, and they were able to get it back to the uh, hotel. But there were a lot of issues like that. The second thing is, a lot of guys in the morning that their their batteries were stone dead, and. What they have to understand about these batteries is battery has to be charged and drained on a regular basis. 
If it's not, they're going to sulfate. Eventually, the, the uh, plates are going to fall into the bottom of the, the battery, and it's going to short it out. But in a lot of cases, they had draws. One thing I learned about batteries going dead, if you have a bad battery that's going bad, where it's actually the battery, I find that there's always some power left. Now, maybe not enough to turn it over, but there's enough maybe to light the lights, something like that. When you have a battery that's absolutely stone dead, it usually has to do with a short. Uh, something is draining that battery uh, overnight. And there's, there's some real quick and easy ways to check that, which I can share. Sure, sure. Uh, absolutely. And and the other thing that happens with a lot of restoration shops, especially when they're dealing with pre-World War II or six-volt six cars, they, 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 they don't understand that six-volt stuff requires a lot more amperage than 12-volt stuff. And they use they use the the small wire. Like if you go to if if you go to a parts store and look at battery cables, uh, they're they're six gauge and four gauge battery terminals. And on a six volt, that's just not going to cut it. That's just not going to happen. Uh, you need to get the big six volt battery cable, zero, uh, one gauge, uh, single zero or double zero. Uh, battery cables because six volt stuff takes a lot and even like headlights when they they're they they use you know little little 14 18 gauge wire and it just doesn't work with that stuff correct you know this this little test uh, i like to share it with your listeners it's a very simple thing that anyone can do uh, if they suspect that, you, you take one of the battery terminals off, preferably the negative terminal, and you just put a test light between the terminal on the battery and also the terminal on the cable with it disconnected. If that light lights on the test light, you've got something drawing on the system. And what, what I used to do is I would go into the fuse panel, and I would pop fuses out until the light went out. Then I found the circuit that it was in. But that's a good way to, uh, to find out if it's a draw and, and actually where it's coming from. Sure, that would work. Uh, that you know, but as you know, a lot of the people that do these tours, uh, test light. What? What's that? What? You're right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. With that, let everybody think about it while we take a break. We'll be back on the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and our guest from Florida, Mr. James Dunce. You've been here so many times, James. I can't even introduce you as a legitimately a guest. You're just a part of the family now. We'll be I back appreciate that. right after this. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. 
That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we do thank you for listening to America's Web Radio. And, uh, you know, I, I hate to brag, but you all have made this the largest producing podcast radio station in the country. And uh, we go actually around the world, and we get comments from around the world. And uh, last week's show, by the way, James, uh, we were talking about the evolution. You and Steve were talking about the evolution of carburetor to fuel injection. And lots and lots of people really enjoyed that show. And we've had comments. We've replayed it a couple of times. And, well, that's great. You know, it's uh, it just it was very interesting, and uh, how you know, and I never thought about it, but it all totally made sense that the Air Force had fuel injection before cars did, and that was to pump gas into the the engines of the planes as they did all their aerobatics, and sure. uh, very very interesting. So. Thank you for last week, and thank you for this week, and certainly we always thank Steve Ronaldo, who's our our expert's expert on, well, you name a subject, and he's an expert on it. Yeah, if, if not, I'll make it up. If not, yeah. If all else fails, why like hell? But yeah. anyway, we, uh, we do appreciate everybody. We appreciate all of our hosts that do a great, great job on America's Web Radio. So thank well, you, you know, James. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, another thing, you know, speaking of electrical problems, uh, I used to have them tell me, I smell this. In the front of the vehicle, I smell something that smells like rotten eggs. And uh, <laughs> what, it wasn't rotten eggs. What it was is uh, uh, charging systems that were overcharging. You know, on a 12-volt system, it's both when it's running, it should be charging between 13 and 14 volts. On a 6-volt, it should be around 7 and if you have it any higher than that, it'll actually start cooking the uh, the water and the acid out of the battery. And uh, this can be a really bad situation because that, that gas that's coming out of this hydrogen gas is explosive. But uh, I ran into a lot of this. It seemed like a lot of the older cars, I don't know if they had to do with the generators and the older voltage regulators, uh, but that was a big issue. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, the spe- especially generators, because generators will go until they burn themselves up. They'll just, they'll just, if, if oh, it, sure. yeah, they'll just, they'll just eat them, they'll just eat themselves to death. And the voltage regulators, uh, I know most of the guys I know that, that have still have, and again, 6 volt versus 12 volts, 6 volts a lot more. Uh, amperage that that they will they'll carry a little uh, and you know a points file you can just be able to buy them at most of the parts stores. I mean, if you walked in now, the kids, I need to get a points file. I can't find mine. A what? A what? A what? They say what are points? Yeah. Well, for the voltage regulators, because they would stick and then and then like even the real early cars that had that had generators. Uh, 
they had a cutout and there was a, a setting and just what you mentioned if it's six volts it runs about seven and at that point it's supposed to turn the, the generator off there's nothing coming out of it so it stabilized about seven but anybody who's been around old cars with that 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 cutout system knows that those things stick all the time they're just it's really annoying <laughs> With well, I used, stuff. To ask, I used to ask these people when they had this issue, I said, have you been burning out any bulbs lately? Because when the voltage goes up like that, it usually knocks out the uh, uh, turn signals or the headlights or something. That was a typical Yeah, typical that was problem. the first thing to go with the, li- with the light bulbs. That was the first thing. You know, and now just the opposite, what's happening now in the hobby, because I hear it all the time and I get calls from people, well, I, I, I you know, I, I bought these six-volt, LED tail lights and parking light kits, and now my turn signals don't work anymore. Well, because you have the wrong flasher, you got to get an LED flasher because an LED doesn't draw any electricity, and the flat flashers work on electricity. So that I'm sure that that happens quite a bit now on these tours. With and you know, with the with the battery issues, um, when people are buying batteries and then. Your listeners may not know this, but batteries have a date code on them. And uh, batteries that are sitting on a shelf, you can actually buy a battery off the shelf and it'll be bad. Uh, you got to really pay attention to those dates because the longer they sit there, like I said before, if they're not charged and drained, they start to sulfate. So you can actually purchase a bad battery. Yeah, you can. And and uh, uh, matter of fact, a, a good friend of a, a good friend of ours' daughter has a Nissan something or other. I can't remember what it was, and it just went over like three months, over three years. And she was just this past week in a in a in a shopping center, and the car wouldn't start. And, uh, that battery's guaranteed for three years. <laughs> well, you know, an, an interesting uh, statistic. They say that only 30% of the batteries will reach whatever that rated time was. So if you have a four-year battery, only 30% of the uh, batteries are going to reach that for four years. Really, I've never heard that. I know, I know that was that that for, for working for manufacturers, uh, that was always a big big issue was the the, the batteries. Uh, and and you know the manufacturer doesn't. There's two things that people don't understand about buying a car, uh, and and their warranty is number one. Most ma- manufacturers don't make tires, and manufacturers don't make batteries. <laughs> well, you know, I used to sell uh, interstate batteries uh, when I had my service center, and they really have it together because what they would do is they would come in once a month and they would look at the batteries that I had and if they weren't selling, you know, if they're starting to get old, they rotated them out and they put them where they would sell. That, that was really good. Sure. But, you know, another thing that I used to get people asking me all the time, especially on the gluten tour, is is it true that if I set my battery on a concrete floor oh, yeah. that it's going to discharge it? And that is no longer true. That was, years ago, the batteries had a tar paper uh, case Wood. They were true. wood. They were wood yeah. covered with and that was, tar. That was true. That was true back then. But on the modern batteries, that's absolutely not true. Yeah, I know. I I, I used to we used to get technicians that would tell you that. Well, I know, uh, Grandpa never told me to put a battery on the floor overnight. It'd be dead in the morning. Uh, no, no, this is plastic. It's really not going to do anything. 
you know, another thing that I found on a Glidden tour, you know, you, when you replace a battery terminal, you know, the most common ones that you find are little lead terminals. Uh, they're cheap. But for some reason or other, they build up a coating, and I can guarantee you that if you put one of those on there, you're going to have a problem at some point or another. The car's not going to start. Exactly. And it's all it, it's some kind of a coating between the battery terminal and the uh, terminal itself. If if so you what, what I, you're right, yeah. you, you are right. And if you read the little card when you go to Walmart and buy one of those things, it says temporary or emergency battery clamp. Correct. It's and you know what? What I recommend now is, you, and you find them at most parts stores. They have regular brass uh, cable ends, and uh, those are what I use. And I haven't had a problem since I started doing that. No, I, I bought one of you know the the vice thing, the thing you put in the vice to to clamp uh, it down that little that that tool. Uh-huh. Uh, I have one of those because I I especially because most of my old cars are all six volt. Uh, so you use and I use the 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 uh, double zero welding cable, which is the ultra fine uh, fine wire stuff. But I've had guys, oh, you shouldn't do that because it's it's it it's not you know oil attacks the coating. I said, well, you know, if you got that much oil floating around under the hood, you got more problems to worry about than battery cables. Oh yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I'll make I'll make my own because you know Napa, the old Napa stores, as you well know, used to have most of them had a machine shop, and they would they would put them together. Now they don't do any of that stuff anymore. Yeah, they don't they do. But 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 you're right. You're you're, you're you know those those are temporary, and you see it all the time. And my father-in-law, a wonderful man, had no idea his truck wouldn't start, so he cut an extension cord up and put <laughs> the ends and put it in one of those things to make a battery cable. Uh, hey. Yeah, and pe- people just don't know. You see, and I'm sure working on some of these antique cars, you saw some of the goofiest stuff imaginable. I was just thinking when you were talking about uh, Napa, and you used to take your drums in and they turn they turned drums. drums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and a lot of them had full machine shops yeah. in there. Yeah. The, the good old days. Yeah, I don't know if they were good. I wonder. I wonder if you could get. I wonder where you'd go today to get a drum turn. Oh, there's several well, places. Know, it's funny you should say that because you know the the drums and rotors now, at least on the newer cars, they have these Chinese imports, and I've used them a lot of them. And it's cheaper just to go ahead and replace the rotor or replace the drum. Absolutely. Yeah. At two hundred dollars an hour, I don't know you guys, but in in, in our dealers here in Atlanta, and in the, the metro area, if they're not at two hundred or over, they're sure pushing two hundred dollars an hour. No, the only problem I ran into it with those rotors are supposed to be stored on end, and uh, what I used to do when I purchased the new rotors is I turned them because none of them were absolutely true, and. Uh, especially if they weren't stored properly. But in most cases, and at, uh, I've used them a, in the last year or so, I've used them a dozen times and not had a single problem. Of course, now, we're not getting along with China, so maybe our cheap uh, rotors yeah. and drums are going to go You know, you, you mentioned that. A good friend of mine just bought a set of four uh, cast-iron rotors, new ones, for his Model A, and they had to be turned before you could fit them on the car. Well... I, I used to be a parts and service director for Lincoln Mercury. When I first went there, they had this Lincoln that uh, kept having pulsating brakes. And uh, I asked them, I said, what have you been doing to this thing? Uh, the, the service guys, well, we keep replacing the rotors. 
And so what I did is I took those rotors off. They had never turned them. I took all those rotors off, turned them, and the problem was solved. And yeah. they were putting brand new rotors on. Especially new with the on-car cutting systems is so much better because any any imperfections the on-car lathe will take care of. Right. Uh, one of the things that I, I'm looking at at the list that you sent was was oil, and I, I think we could spend a a few minutes talking about oil. That's one of the 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 most misunderstood things that people do. Uh, I, 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 it's amazing to me the that that some of the old if you will, wives' tales and stuff that continue to perpetuate itself over oil. And I have some some friends that said, well, Henry only said use that 30-weight non-detergent by God, and that's what I'm going to use. You know, and and this stuff uh, continues. And then, and I'm sure you saw it on on, uh, working with the Glidden Tour, some of these people, when the hell was the last time you ever changed oil in this car? Right. You know, and the 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 problems that that uh, you you get from this stuff. Um, so that's a that's a big issue. Anyway, just to, to quick, we can talk a little bit about oil. Personally, I'm a big. Oh, you're gonna. He's gonna take a break. Hold on. Forty-five years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. Hi, I'm Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, talking to you about antique car insurance. Uh, in this hobby uh, that I've been part of for years, not all insurance companies and insurance coverage is the same. I would suggest that you call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com to find out some information about some of the best antique car insurance you can get, such as agreed value. Uh, insurance for your classic car. Again, if you're, when you get ready to, to, uh, insure your classic, classic, antique, or even your street ride, call JC Taylor Insurance or visit jctaylor.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And you're listening to America's Web Radio and the Classic Car Show with Mr. Steve Ronaldo. Missing in action is Mr. Jim Weber, but we have in action James Dunce from Bell Performance in Florida. And um, he's got a product called Ethanol Defense, and it is fantastic. If you haven't got some, go to their website, bellperformance.com, and order some. It is good stuff. 
So, with that being said, we go back to uh, Mr. Steve Ronaldo and Mr. James Dutz. Yeah, we were talking a little bit about oil. I'm a big proponent of synthetics. Uh, with the old cars, though, it, it doesn't matter a whole lot because uh, I, I, the, the 19, any, any of the, the early cars, you get a perpetual oil change. So uh, it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't really matter because they leak so much. The only time it, the, some of these old cars of mine don't leak is when it's empty. So, but I've been a big proponent of synthetics for years, and, and, and I try to convince these guys, you know, and at minimum go to the multi-grade oils because people don't, they, you know, that, this old stuff about using a 30-weight 30, 30 oil, and they don't understand what it's, what it's all about. And there's tons of information out there. I don't know what your your thoughts are on using uh, multi viscosity oil in older cars, and I think it's the smartest thing you can do. You 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 are going to laugh at what I'm about to say, but I want I want to agree with you on the uh, synthetic. The one beautiful thing about synthetic oils, they don't have the viscosity changes that uh, regular motor oils do. So if you're in a colder climate, that's definitely a plus. But people ask me all the time, and you're going to laugh. They asked me, they said, what kind of oil would you recommend? And they said, they say, what did you use? What do you use? I said, whatever's cheapest. And they, they, they said, what do you mean? I worked as an engine mechanic for over a year at one of the Ford dealerships. And I can say this for a fact. I never saw engine damage. And I always ask them what kind of oil they used and so forth. I never saw any engine damage from a particular oil. What I saw engine damage from is people that ignored the maintenance and didn't change the oil. Yes, that's the big deal. And now there's, you know, the, the cheapest, the crummiest oil that you can buy today is better than the best oil you could buy back in the 20s and 30s, so it didn't You're matter. You're right. Yeah, but see, that the, one right. the, the 10, we just, just quickly, 10W30, which is probably one of the most common ones, uh, the W means winter flow rate. It's a, it's flowing at 34 degrees Fahrenheit or 1 degree centigrade. The top number is its viscosity or flow rate at 210 or 99 degrees centigrade. Uh, and generally, most engine oils run between 180 and 200 degrees. That's that's where most engine oils run. So even if you're running a 30-weight oil, chances are you're not... It, you know, 10 to be 30, it's never going to get to the, the top number. You're sort of around 25 or 26 visco- uh, number on the viscosity scale. Uh, but still, the main thing for using the lower, the, the lower number is that most engine wear occurs when it's cold. And the thinner the oil, the quicker it starts lubricating everything. It gets up into the, the, the uh, rotating parts quicker. Correct. As, as opposed to the the thirty weight oil, and you know some of these guys they put forty and fifties weight straight oil in it. It's like mud when it's if it's thirty <laughs> degrees. How are you gonna? It, that that stuff is just can't move. Well, I, I was going to add some twenty weight oil. I'm, I'm from Wisconsin originally, and it was fifteen below zero, and I was going to add some twenty weight oil to my car, and it wouldn't hardly run out of the can. No, no, it's it is it's 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 molasses, but at, at that point with this stuff, and then the other thing you hear, and you know, we've talked a little bit about the a lot about the ethanol gas is the oil with this this zinc stuff, you know, and and that went away because of the redesign of the emission systems and catalytic converters. 
um, and now I think the latest certification is SN, and it, they're, they're, the oils are, mo- are being modified to comply with or aid, if you will, minimizing the emission outputs of co- output of the engines. Uh, and the zinc just went away. And what people don't understand is zinc was never even used in oil until the 50s when General Motors came out with the small block high-performance Chevy. That's when they started to use the zinc additive. So anything before that, never knew about it in the first place. So it's not going to be an issue uh, with this stuff. And most of it has to do with high valve spring tension. They say, oh, the camshaft goes away. Well, it does go away. I have a friend who runs a double-A gas dragster, and he bought a new crane cam and put 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 uh, uh, newer oil in there. He made four runs, and that camshaft was no longer a camshaft. It was just round because uh, he had huge valve spring tension. Well, you know what I noticed? I, I replaced a lot of camshafts, and when I, when I had a problem like that where there was no lift for the valve, uh, it was not on every one of them. Uh, in a lot of cases, it would be a single lobe in the engine and it never could figure it out I figured it had to have something to do with either valve spring tension or had to do with a, a soft lobe or something like that Yeah, or lubrication distribution because not as you well know not all parts of the engine get lubricated identically or do they run at identical right. temperatures and how much right. of that, that camshaft did you find in the oil pan that's a, that's a good. That's a good song. Yeah, they just no. They they just go away. They just grind like you're getting it ground off. Huh. It just goes away. I thought it'd grind nope. itself and wind up. No, I know. Well, you wouldn't see filings. You might. You just see. It's just gone away. It just huh. Eat itself but up. I wanted. I wanted. I, wanted I, I. I don't want. I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, one thing I I didn't mention earlier on the uh, golden tour. What I found a lot of is test infestation oh. where <coughs> wires were chewed through a lot of stuff like that where animals or rats or mice or whatever they actually built nests because they store these cars a lot of times they're not stored in a uh, an area where these pests can't get in oh yeah oh yeah and and you know there's a couple i'm sure you you know people put mothballs in them there's a thing that's out now, and a lot of people swear by it on the OCAR website. Is a mouse mouse minder. It it runs on 12 volts, and you put it in, and it makes an ultra high frequency. And uh, I have a friend that put it on an MGB that he puts under a car cover outside, and he has had zero issues since he bought one of these things. Um, it's on all the time. You can't hear it, but I guess the mice can. You know, I'm laughing about the, the mothballs. Here in Florida, you know, we have rattlesnakes. And uh, what they do is they use those mothballs to keep the rattlesnakes out of the yard. Really? I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't either. I, 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 I didn't know that. Oh, and and then, uh, you know, every now and then you'll hear somebody, oh, I started my, my, my 37 Buick Century up and been sitting all winter and getting ready to go on the Glidden Tour and, Damn, you wouldn't believe all the mice that came out of the tailpipe. Well, I, I probably would, actually. It's a perfect home well, for mice. <laughs> I, I got I to share this with you. I was a service manager for Lincoln Mercury in Wisconsin, and uh, it was in the middle of the wintertime, and they towed this brand-new Lincoln in. I think it was a Mark IV Lincoln. And a guy called up, and he was mad. He said, I started that thing up, 
and all of a sudden the lights came on and I couldn't steer it. So we towed it in, and what had happened is there a cat had gone through the fan or through <laughs> the uh, belts. Yeah. And all that all that was left was the tail. <laughs> so at that time we had these little parts bags that we uh, put the spare parts or replaced parts in. And uh, what I did is I put that tail. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure bags. you made a friend for life there. <laughs> But it, it, and especially the new wires. If you replace any kind of wires with the new wires, they're using the the insulation on wires is made from soy, and it's edible and it attracts critters. I had a uh, brand new 2016, I guess, Ford Explorer. Or no, not 2016. I'm sorry. Let's go back a few years. Um, back when I had my cabin in the mountains. And uh, they loved to get in. They, they were called flying squirrels, and they literally could sort of fly or coast. And uh, they got in under, and they ate the uh, all the packing around the heater and air conditioner, and then they also ate the wires. Yep. And uh, yeah, soy is cheap. Yeah. Well. So they'll do it to new cars, old cars. And well, I, uh, we're running out of time. Thank you. I enjoyed the, the stuff about the Glidden Tour. I, I can talk more and more about that. One of the things on the little thing that, that David printed out was uh, a little bit about the, the revival, and that's what you and I were involved in, of course. But what's interesting is in the old days, you know, we all trailer our old cars to these tours. These people didn't trailer them. They drove that 1911 St- Stevens Durier from New York to, to Colorado to go on the Glidden Tour and then did it for a week or ten days and drove it home. That's, that's right. a little different than the people today. Me too. Just right quick, I asked you to do this, so I want to get it on the air very quickly. The breakdown of a kit that anybody, if they go out on the road, should carry with them, particularly if you're on one of these tours. You want to go through that just really quickly? Well, what, what, I, what I put on this list is a set of jumper cables. And keep something in mind. Jumper cables, if you buy one of these cheap sets, they will not boost off most vehicles. If you buy a good jumper cable set, which is going to cost you, they're going to have good copper cables in them. I put screwdriver set, a pair of pliers, a combination wrenches, we call them dresser wrenches, a set of open-end wrenches, electrical tape, zip ties, and if you have tubeless tires, pick the flat, uh, can get you going. I put down bottled water if you're in the hot climate, you appreciate having that water. And finally, a AAA card and a cell phone. I have it. By the, by the way, that combination wrench, uh, that's called an Oklahoma socket. With that being said, <laughs> hey, let me quick before you go. We were on one Glidden tour in Oklahoma, and uh, the truck stop loves gave us transponders. So if you if if you if, if you had a problem, you turn this on, and it would call loves, and loves would call the AAA guys, and they would come right to you. They knew exactly where you were. How cool was that? Very cool. Yeah. Alrighty, James Dunst, thank you for being with us today. We got to get out of here. As uh, Mr. Weber and I'd say, we got to put the plug in the jug and move on down the road. So All right, see you later. We'll be back next week on America's Web Radio and the Classic Car Show. Take care. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.